Good morning, fellowship family. Let's stand together. Hear this from Psalm 92. It says, it is good to give thanks to the Lord, to sing praise to your name, Most High, to declare your faithful love in the morning and your faithfulness at night. That's what we're going to do together this morning, declare his faithful love. So let's sing this out together. We'll join our hearts. Here we go. praise this morning, is he not? You can take a seat. 
Good morning. Wow, what a good response. Hey, good morning. It's super fun to come up after a, a song like that. I really loved that. Well, I am Anne. Welcome to Fellowship. I uh, work with the community team and specifically with women, young women uh, who want to be seen, who want to be known, who want to be connected to the church so that they can further their um, relationships with the Lord. So recently, I was in somebody's kitchen, a particular woman's kitchen, and we were just packing snack bags for an event we had coming up. And in the middle of packing snack bags, she just said, this is the first time I feel connected to the church. The church can feel really big sometimes. And um, she said, this is, I just feel like I'm actually helping. And so I say that to encourage you all. I know a lot of you are already serving, but some people would love to be invited. Um, maybe your friends, maybe your family friends, somebody that you know. Invite them to do um, something here at the church with you, whether that's um, volunteering at Fayette Kids. We need tons of helpers over there. Whether it's um, mentoring a college student, we need people to do that. But also, we have three other additional ways that you guys can volunteer right now. One of those being Operation Christmas Child Boxes. So you've seen all those bright green and red boxes in the back. If you guys could take those boxes, fill them up. I know my kids and I just filled ours up yesterday. It took a whole two minutes. It was really fast, but we did it. And it was a good time. And so bring those back. Also, we are serving the homeless in our community by um, getting together tents and sleeping bags and cash. So maybe that's something that your community group might like to do together is to bring that back to the foyer um, so you can serve the homeless population in our area. And then finally, we have the Salvation Army. I don't know how many of y'all feel really good at ringing a bell, but I hear it's not too hard. And so if you would be willing to sign up to do a slot at Sam's Club and ring the bell, we would love that. And so also, if you haven't grabbed your communion, make sure you grab that as well. But guys, I know that a lot of us walk in this room after a busy week, after maybe a stressful week, um, maybe you feel like crying when you walk in this room. Um, I know there's been times where I walk in here and I feel hopeful, and then other times I just feel really tired. And so wherever you are this morning, just know that we see you, um, but more importantly, God sees you. And um, you don't have to beat anybody in this room in this moment. Let's just worship the Lord together. Thanks, Anne. Um... Real quick, by a show of hands in the room, who already has their Christmas tree up? Wow, I knew I loved this church. Doing it the right way. I put mine up yesterday. Um, my wife asked me to, so I just do what she tells me to do. Um, I asked that because we sang a chorus of typically a Christmas song, and some of you in the room probably went, it's not time yet, you can't sing that yet. Others of you were like, yes. I was just, just curious. Hey, real quick, I want you to do something with me. I, I want you to close your eyes. And I want you to walk through your morning this morning. You woke up. Hopefully you brushed your teeth. Maybe you took a shower, got dressed, got ready. Got in the car, drove over here. Parked. You walked in. Now, what if this morning when you walked in, you sat down and you quickly realize this is not a normal Sunday, this feels different. This feels almost like a funeral. And then you realize this is actually your funeral that you're at. And you're hearing and you're seeing people one by one walk up to a microphone and speak about you. 
What would you hope that they say? I think it begs the question, what are you living for? What are you giving your affections to? What, are, what has your worship? And would what you want them to say be what the people around you would, would say about you at your own funeral? What are you living for? And why are you doing the things that you do? Well, this morning as we wrap up our First Timothy study, I think Paul gives us an answer. If you've ever seen a picture of an old church, um, actually old churches used to have um, cemeteries right outside of them. And I think that was purposeful. Because week in and week out as you were going to church and leaving, you were seeing, hey, my life is a mist. It could be gone one day. And it also was a reminder that the people that maybe you made decisions in front of to walk with Christ, you're passing them. Back then, the churches were a lot smaller. You walk by them every day and go, I'm gonna keep doing this for my grandma. I'm gonna keep doing this because of my friend that I lost. I know it's a sobering thought, but it's a reality. And I think this verse speaks to it, and I think Paul does a great job in our passage this morning of this. This is 1 Timothy 6, 12. It says, fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. And so this morning as we continue to sing, I think that's a good question to ask. What am I living for? What has my worship? Where are my affections going? And so as we continue to sing this morning, I'm gonna invite you to, to stand if you wanna stand, stay seated if you'd like to stay seated, but engage with the Lord this morning and talk to him through song. So let's do that together. i 
godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness. Fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. I charge you in the presence of God, who gives life to all things and of Christ Jesus, who in his testimony before Pontius Pilate made the good confession to keep the commandment unstained and free from reproach until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which he will display at the proper time. He who is blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone has immortality, who dwells in unapproachable light, whom no one has ever seen or can see, to him be honor and eternal dominion.
last part with this. Praise forever. Oh, praise forever to the King of Kings. God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the opportunity for us to come together to worship. God, I pray over Clark as he's about to speak. Lord, I pray that your words are in him. Lord, give us open hearts and give us ears to hear these words. Lord, I pray for anybody in here who may not know you, Lord, may they come closer to knowing who you are and the salvation and the joy that we talk about. In your name, amen. Thank you, Andrew, and good morning, church family. Uh, Clark Nolan with you here this morning, and I wanted to introduce you to my friend, Jay Sego. Good morning, Jay. Good morning, Clark. How are How we are today? You? Pretty Doing crazy well? down there in Fayette Kids? Hey, it's going well. Yeah, that's good news. Yeah. Um, hey, you're on, so we're good to go. Good. I've asked Jay to be with us uh, this morning. Um, we wanted to honor and celebrate our veterans. And so I wanted Jay to just share a little bit about his time in the service, what branch you served in, some of the roles you played. And uh, we want to appreciate your sacrifices. And then he's going to pray for our veterans this morning. Jay? No, sure. Yeah. Thanks, Clark. Uh, so I served in the Navy. Um, I was on four different ships and four different deployments uh, based out of San Diego and Virginia Beach. Um, I've, spent, I've had command twice, once of a ship and once of an installation in Panama City. Uh, I've done plenty of time in the Pentagon. Um, and, and I'm thankful to have served and, and be a part of that. So, yeah. yeah. Well, Jay, I know that no doubt a lot of sacrifices on your part, even just being away from your family. And uh, I know that soldiers fight for a lot of reasons, and we would just want to say thank you for your service um, to our nation. Yeah, give Jay a hand. And if, if you are a veteran in here and you served in either war or peacetime, would you go ahead and stand? Go ahead and stand. Yeah, give the hand. Yeah. Jay, would you pray for our veterans? Yeah, please. Let's pray. Dearly Father, we thank you for each of these men and women who have served to defend, protect our country and the freedoms that we enjoy. You know every story behind the veteran. You know the struggles, the pain, the loss in these stories and where they've served and what they did while they're in uniform. I pray today for your grace, your peace, and joy to fill our hearts as we live out the following chapters of our life. As a community of believers, I pray for the opportunities to support, to care for, to come alongside these veterans in the long term, but specifically in the short term with the holidays approaching. Lord, thank you for the active duty members who continue to serve and protect us. I pray for their safety in an ever-changing world. And finally, Lord, I pray for the families who supported our veterans and continue to support our active duty. May you strengthen, protect, and care for them always. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Jay. Appreciate it. Well, church family, uh, it's great to be with you this morning. And uh, if you're new with us, you found us at the very end of our First uh, Timothy series. And so uh, it's going to be a great uh, season as we move into Advent. And then at the beginning of the year, we're going to be taking a look at Jonah and Ruth. And so we're going to be looking at a few Old Testament narratives. Um, if you're new with us, um, and you're trying to get connected to kind of what we're doing, um, we'd encourage you to grab, I know it's at the end of the series, but grab one of our, um, our First Timothy series guides on your way out, and uh, it'd be a great way if you're, you want to get connected to where we've been to 
um, go back through, listen to the podcast. Um, there's study notes in here on how to walk you through the, your devotional life um, related to 1 Timothy. And in light of that, uh, I wanna say a huge thank you and get, have y'all give an applause to our media team uh, for what they've done with this. Amazing, amazing resource. It's kept us all on the same page. And if you have your Bibles or if you wanna just turn to your, um, your guide right now, turn to 1 Timothy chapter six. And we're gonna be picking up our passage this morning um, in verse 11, in verse 11. Well, ten, uh, 20 years ago, uh, this fall, the, the series uh, Band of Brothers miniseries, miniseries was released. It was documenting Stephen Ambrose's uh, account of Easy Company's tour of duty in Europe in World War II. We, we meet late, um, early and later in the series in our scene that I wanna just kind of review today, uh, Captain Nixon. And Captain Nixon is tired. It's towards the end of the war. He's disillusioned. He's become somewhat bitter, bitter and somewhat cynical. Um, he's lost friends. Um, he's seen the dark side of what humanity can do to one another when they're bent towards self-destruction. He's coped along the way, and he's become an alcoholic. You know, he just received a letter. His wife has left him, and she has taken his dog. And he is not a happy man right now. He seems to has lost all sense of compassion. His anger is boiling. His best friend, uh, Captain Dick Winters, um, has just informed him that he's been demoted um, from battalion headquarters. And he's given him some instruction. He's got to write some letters, make some calls to parents of those who have lost sons in the war. And Captain Winters tells Captain Nixon, hey, I need you to tell them that their sons died as heroes. And Captain Nixon says this. He says, you really still believe that? You really believe that? And Captain Winters looks at him and says, yeah, yeah, I still believe that, I do. On patrol, they make their way through the forest. They see smoke hovering over a tree line. They make their way into a clearing, and they come face to face with the big why of this war. They stumble upon a German labor camp for the first time emaciated uh, Jewish families dying of hunger, living in the stench of death, robbed of their dignity. You see, soldiers fight to stay alive, to protect one another, uh, for their commander-in-chief, for a great cause, loyalty to a nation, advancement of a mission, or even the spoils of victory. But on this afternoon, Lewis Nixon has come face-to-face -face with the big why of this war. And while we presently don't find ourselves in this type of scene, in this type of war uh, this morning, if you're a follower of Jesus, we find ourselves in a fight. Let's not be deceived in here that we're not in a fight this morning. Uh, Timothy has led the charge through this fight over these last 10 weeks together. And Captain Paul has summarized some charges to Timothy when we consider what he's been through these last 10 weeks in our passages together. Timothy, I know you're young, but protect this church in Ephesus from false teaching. Timothy, I know uh, that you like to win arguments, but I need you to quit arguing. Don't get caught up in petty arguments that don't um, 
build up the mission of the church. Timothy, I know maybe you'd like to be married right now, but keep yourself pure in this hyper-sexualized city. Timothy, I need you to make difficult decisions in shepherding the women in your church. I need you to find men of character who can lead. I need you to take care of widows. I need you to confront sin in those that are older than you. I need you to mentor the young men. I need you to teach the gospel. I need you to keep your own spiritual life healthy. I need you to be on guard and not get captivated by money. And don't forget, which Paul will write in his second letter, uh, I've been stoned because of this mission. Um, I've been near death. As your mentor, I've been imprisoned. And it's likely that I'm gonna face a martyr's death. So Timothy, fight the good fight. Hey, no doubt Timothy, maybe like Lewis Nixon, was feeling a little weary. And he needed a moment of worship a big reminder of the why behind this fight. Why keep fighting for godliness in this church in Ephesus? There may be more, but I think Paul reminds us of three reasons why we fight and why we as a church need to stay in the fight. There may be more, but these three we're gonna look at this morning, a life eternal, a gospel trust, and a king's glory, a life eternal, a gospel trust, and a king's glory. And to my church family this morning, I want to ask you, I want to ask you this morning to stay in this fight with us. Don't do it for me or for a pastor. Let's do it for the glory of a king and a mission that has eternal ramifications. We pick it up in verse 11, but you, man of God, flee from all this and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness, man of God. This term is only used in the New Testament when referring to Timothy. It's a term that was used in the Old Testament of Elisha, of David, and of Moses. Those men were called out specifically, set apart for God's noble, redemptive mission for Israel and on their behalf and for his Glory, And it's as if Paul is having this I see in you moment, uh, this, this life-breathing moment into this weary pastor in Ephesus. You're the man for this. God has called you out and set you apart for this mission. And there's no other person, Timothy, that I want to have in Ephesus leading this charge than you. You're a man of God. He's picked you out. He's filled you with his spirit. He's given you comrades in the fight. And Timothy, he's given you his word as the sword in this fight. But you, man of God, flee from all this and pursue these things. Uh, Timothy, flee, run from this materialism that can captivate your heart. Timothy, run from these vain arguments that you can get caught up in. Timothy, pursue the things that make up for a godly elder in a church like this. Pursue character, the things of the heart, the things that last. And then we have our primary command here, fight the good fight of faith. Fight the good fight of faith. Most likely, he's got an image of a military campaign or an athletic competition where you compete. The word fight here comes from the word that we get our word, agonize. Timothy 
with grit, with agony, stay in this thing and fight. No doubt, Timothy probably had moments as he's shepherding um, the different demographics in this church. Older guys that uh, seem to be tuning out on him. Younger guys who have come to faith and they're tempted to go back to um, participating in, uh, in temple prostitution in giving in to their sexual desires. Um, he's got chronic stomach pain. He's physically doesn't seem to be doing well. I've wondered if he's, he's looking back sometimes and wondering, hey, maybe I'd be better off going back to Lystra and Grandma Lois and having her. I'd love a big pot of her stew right now. I wonder what my buddies are doing, my peers that I grew up with. I hear that some of them are doing well financially and they're growing their businesses and their local economies. I wonder what, I wonder what Sarah's doing. I wonder if she's married or not yet. And maybe he's beginning to drift and wonder, is there not an easier way to experience fullness of life? It, some agony, some angst. Years ago, I was participating in my first marathon and I still remember um, the plane tickets, um, the hotel room the night before, trying to eat the right way the week of, all the long runs that lead up to that. Some of you are in the middle of that kind of training right now. And, uh, and then showing up for the race, um, the anxiety, the tension, the making sure you've got all your, the food and the, the drink you need um, for the race. And I remember about mile uh, 22, I had this overwhelming sense that I needed to lay down. Okay, <laughs> I'm just tired. And uh, I didn't lay down, but I started to walk. And that can be a problem if you've run a marathon. I began to walk. And I felt like these bricks were about to pop out of my legs. And just the, the physical agony. And then I realized as I was tracing uh, my pace and time that I wasn't gonna meet the goal that I'd worked hard for for these last six months. I was gonna miss the time. And there was a part of me that thought, what does it matter if I don't accomplish my goal? Why not quit, Sid? Why not just be done with this? This isn't worth it. And I remember thinking to myself, no, at this point, winning is finishing. <laughs> and I'm not gonna quit. And so I identified a few people that in front of me that I needed to try to stay with and they kind of coached me along to the end. But there was agony, there was a sense of, uh, there was headwinds, if you will, coming at me, and I'm not, I'm not so sure that Timothy wasn't feeling uh, this kind of headwind as he's fighting uh, the good fight. He's in agony. Um, he tells us our first big why of why we need to stay in this fight here. He says, take hold of the eternal life to which you were called. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called. Hold on to it. Live in the reality of something that's been accomplished for you. Live in the reality of the resurrection. Physical death is gain. But this idea of eternal life, I think we've sold it short often in our church. It's this thing in the future that we're promised to a place called heaven, and it's the presence of Jesus, okay? That's pretty good. But I think part of what Paul's trying to encourage him is take hold of that truth right now. 
You're in possession of this eternal life so you can live the life that God has meant for you to live. We see in Jesus' interactions with his disciples, some were turning back in John chapter six, some no longer walked with him. Jesus said to the 12, do you wanna go away as well? And Simon Peter looks to him and says, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life and we have believed and come to know you that you are the Holy One of God. In John 17, before his crucifixion, he's praying for us, he's praying for the world, he's praying for the lost, he's praying to his Father, he's praying for his disciples and he summarizes eternal life with this statement. This is eternal life that they may know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I've glorified you on the earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. Eternal life is a state of knowing Jesus Christ. And that's not just for the afterlife. It's for the here and the now. We often think about it in the terms of a time continuum. But the scriptures see this related to your current fullness of life. When we walk with the certainty of the resurrection of Jesus and that being credited to us and to our account, we can really live now for the things that matter. And we don't have to wait for death, if you will, to experience eternal life. When I was 21, I was experiencing my first senior year of college, had a couple of those, changed my major a few times. And I was on a run one night on this dirt road behind my apartment complex. And I was wrestling with God. God, what, what are you doing with my life? I had some stuff going on in my family. Um, some th I was just struggling through my major and what he wanted me to give my life to. And I felt like, uh, I sensed that he was reminding me, Clark, you may not know where you're going, but if you will just invest your relationship, invest in your relationship with me, invest in obeying my word, and give your life away to others, you're gonna always be right where you wanna be. A life of fullness, a life of currently living in the fullness of the eternal life that I now possess. I was reminded of this this week, Kent Martin, I don't know if you're in here, he may be in the next service, but he sent me a note Thursday morning about something I said like five years ago in a teaching, and I'd forgotten it, and so I stole it from me. And I felt like God was reminding me that my eternal reality needed to invade my earthly circumstance. That's when we experience the fullness of eternal life, is when we let our eternal reality invade our earthly circumstance. And so if you're watching, Kent, thank you so much for reminding me of that. Timothy, how is your eternal reality invading your earthly circumstance? And remember, what makes the fullness of eternity incredible is the presence of who we're with in eternity. And if you're a follower of Jesus, you have God's presence in you in the form of his Holy Spirit, and he points you to the things of Christ. You can live in that eternal reality right now. So a life eternal, it's worth fighting for, Timothy. A gospel trust is also worth fighting for. You were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. I charge you, in verse 14, to keep this command. In verse 20, Timothy, guard what has been entrusted to your care. Timothy's been given a gospel trust and there's an expectation that while you're on this planet, Timothy, you're gonna pass on and you're gonna protect, you're gonna preach and you're gonna take care of this gospel 
trust, this good confession. It could be that Timothy at his baptism when he announced to the world that Jesus was his new Lord, and then when the elders prayed over him and commissioned him and affirmed his calling in the presence of many witnesses, that he needed to be reminded of that. Hey, you're part of a legacy, a trust that I, Paul, am passing on to you. This trust is meant to be passed on. And then Jesus uses Jesus's, um, Jesus as a motivation here for guarding and protecting this trust. In the sight of God, who gives life to everything, and of Christ Jesus, who while also testifying before Pontius Pilate, when he made this confession, because of that, I charge you, keep this trust, keep this command. What was this confession? There's a variety of interactions that Jesus had uh, with Pilate, but there's one scene in John chapter 18 where Jesus answers him. And I think this speaks to the fight that we find ourselves in today as well. My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting. He's pointing us to a fight, something bigger going on in the spiritual realm that I might not be delivered over to the Jews, but my kingdom is not from the world. And Pilate said to him, so you're a king? Jesus answered, you say that I'm a king. For this purpose, I was born. And for this purpose, I've come into the world to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Timothy, as Jesus has confessed to, as Jesus protected and passed on this trust, so you do the same. A few weeks ago, and I don't know if Jack and Daisy are in here, wave if you are. Maybe they'll be in the next service. A few weeks ago, I had the privilege of um, doing a wedding here in Fayetteville. And one of the really fun parts about getting to, uh, and privileges of doing that is getting to see um, the father of the bride and the bride walk down the aisle. And watching the dad's eyes as he looks at this young man to my, to your right, to my left, and wondering what's going on in his head. And as, as Jonathan Daisy's dad stood in front of me, as he stood in front of me, I, I said this, therefore, a man and woman shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. And I looked at Jonathan, I said, today is that day. And I know dads of daughters right now are going, all right, don't take me there. I said, Jonathan, you're now entrusting Daisy to Jack's leadership. And I looked at Jack and I said, as a man, God's made you for this moment. He's put his spirit in you, you have the word of God in you, and you have what it takes to lead this new union. Trying to affirm Jonathan. And in this moment, Daisy's father, he leaned in, he hugged her neck, he kissed her on the cheek, the cheek. And uh, he took Jack's hand and he took her hand and put them together. He glared at Jack and he stepped away. He was entrusting the care of someone dear to him to the care of someone else. Guard this trust, Jack. Timothy, guard the trust. Guard the gospel, this gospel trust pass it on to generations, and then we see the big why. Timothy, if these aren't enough for you, this life eternal or this gospel trust, someone's glory is on the line. 
It's the king's glory. And Paul seems to get caught up in a moment of worship here to keep this command without spot or blame until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which God will bring about in his own time. God, the blessed and only ruler, the king of kings, the Lord of lords, who alone is immortal, who lives in an unapproachable light, the light that Moses couldn't look at, the light that will emanate and will light up the great city one day, this unapproachable light, the ruler, the sovereign one who no one has seen or can see, to him be honor and might forever. Amen. Timothy, one day, this king's coming, and he's gonna award those who've been faithful to his mission. This king is coming in all his glory, and right now, I need you to be a faithful subject of this king. Uh, Timothy, did you know that this king's glory is usurping the glory of Artemis all over Ephesus? The economy is even fading in some instances because people are turning away from the glory of Artemis and turning to the one true king. Uh, did you know, Timothy, that this king's glory is usurping Caesar's glory? And that as this king's glory manifests itself and rules and reigns in the hearts of his church in Ephesus, the true king is reigning. So why keep fighting? The king's glory. Something bigger, someone bigger than you, Timothy. Uh, martyred global worker, uh, Jim Elliott, as he uh, did mission work in Ecuador, He's known for this quote, he is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep, what he cannot gain, what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. Fellowship, family, this fight is worth it. This life eternal you've been promised, it's, it's worth staying in it for. Uh, this gospel trust that someone has passed on to you, that's worth fighting for, and this king's glory is worth fighting for. We're gonna take communion together this morning in honor of um, our king as we reflect on just the ending of this series and as we consider what Jesus has accomplished on our behalf. And I wanna ask you to consider doing something. You have your elements there, and they're a little tricky to open, and, um, but go ahead and, and grab those and uh, take off the top, the bread, take the juice, and I've got a few questions I wanna ask you just in reference um, to what or who you're fighting for right now. And I'd like you to consider doing this in honor of the king. If you're comfortable and you're able to physically, I'd like you to consider kneeling for the next few moments before we take communion together. We're gonna do it together. I'd like you to consider kneeling. You can turn around in your chair. Um, you can kneel facing the stage. ask you why keep fighting for godliness? Why do you keep coming to church? Why keep going to community group? Why are you shuttling your children around town to cell groups? Why do you stay in the fight against this sin that seems to own you? Why not give in to pleasure, greed, comfort, 
My guess is that there are some of us in the room uh, that you're spiritually tired and you may be physically exhausted. Um, you're, maybe you're disillusioned. You feel like Captain Nixon. Um, some others have let you down and you're at a point right now, spiritually speaking, where maybe you've reached a point of apathy. You're here, but you just kind of don't care anymore. Going through the motions. Are you fighting for what's most important? You see, many of us fight for our freedom, our autonomy, our personal rights. We fight for morality. We're fighting for social causes. Those things are good things. But Paul's instruction this morning is that we're fighting for something eternal, something that's been passed on to us, and it's for someone's glory. It's a gospel mission. What are you fighting for this morning? And what kingdom are you living in? And what king are you fighting for? All right, I'd like you to turn around, stand. We're standing before the king this morning. And I want us to speak words to one another this morning. I want you to turn to your neighbor and I want you to say, he has won the fight. Go ahead and do that right now. He has won the fight. I want you to turn to your neighbor right now. I want you to say this for the glory of the king. He has won the fight. His body broken for us. Take and eat. This king's glory came through a cross. Now he sits on a throne. The king's glory, his blood shed for us. Take and drink. Fellowship, as we stay in this fight together, we celebrate this moment of communion. His glory is worth it, worth it. This gospel trust is worth it. And this life eternal that he grants us is worth it. God, thank you for the work of your son on our behalf. His name is beautiful.
sing this, let it be true of our stories. All glory be to Christ. And all glory be to Christ our King. but a mist, so we give God the glory.
Father, may that be true of our life, that we would give you all the glory. The only one worthy of it. Lord, help us to stay in the fight, knowing that the battle has been won, and our hope is found in you. Well, thank you for First Timothy and what you've taught us through it. Lord, it's life-changing, your word. Lord, help us to apply it to our lives this week. We need you. To your name we pray. Amen. Let's end our time by reading this together out loud from 1 Timothy 3, 16. Let's read it. Great indeed, we confess, is the mystery of godliness. He was manifested in the Spirit, vindicated by the Spirit, seen by angels, proclaimed among the nations, believed on in the world, taken up in glory. So this week, we keep our eyes on the King, the true King, the only King that laid his life down for his people and we submit to him. If you would like prayer this morning to my left, to your right, we would love to pray with you in the prayer room or celebrate things the Lord is doing in your life. Fellowship Abel, God bless you. We'll see you next week.